Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time for a big blue kickoff live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17 14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dettino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. And the program is presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football Giants. Multiple ways you can interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, option 1-201-939-4513. Option B, you can hit us up on Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. You can also send in your comments directly to us, at Lance Meadow, one word, last name, Hemi D-O-W. He is at Giants W-F-A-N. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So Giants-Rams this Sunday mm-hmm. in East Rutherford, New Jersey, one of the hottest teams in football now, the Rams, 5-1 and one in their last six, and that comes after their Week 10 bye. So we're going to delve into the matchup. We'll break it down from every which angle. But Brian Dable did speak with reporters earlier today, and, Paul, he mentioned everybody's practicing. So yep. he didn't rule anybody out at this point. So that at least is somewhat promising considering – if you look at the Rams and the Giants injury list, did you see the disparity between the two? The Rams have two guys on the injury report, <laughs> which is quite impressive, right? When you get this It's one of the, the reasons why they've won five out of six. Yes. You can go on a run like that if you've got most of your guys. Sure. And Joe Noteboom is the only notable one on the injury report. He's their versatile offensive lineman. And we'll get into the Rams' offensive line because that's a big reason why this team turned things around within the span of a season. But the Giants, a lot of guys popping up on the injury report. I think what was promising... Outlook-wise, yesterday, meaning Thursday, and we're going to have to see the participation level on Friday, is Deontay Banks and Raheem Nunez-Rochez, who did not practice on Wednesday, were limited at least on Thursday. Yeah. So that hopefully is trending in a positive direction. Remember, Nunez-Rochez did not play the last game. That's why we saw a lot of Jordan Riley and Banks got banged up. So I would say those are the two players probably worthy of keeping close tabs on more so, Paul, than anybody else on this laundry list of personnel. Yeah, and and I would agree uh, Banks in particular is is a very significant one to watch because of the way Stafford's throwing the ball these days. Oh, yeah. Uh, he is really lighting things up. Wink Martindale said over the last month or so he's playing at a Hall of Fame level. That's how hot he is. And so even though Kyron Williams uh, you know, has over 1,000 yards rushing this year, the truth of the matter is uh, Stafford has been pinpoint. Uh, his touchdown-interception ratio is terrific. Uh, he's just winging the ball and doing a great job at, at hurting people. So, you know, you really want to make sure your secondary is up to full strength. Well, here's why. Because when you look at this Rams team, and I wholeheartedly agree with you, you got to start with Stafford. Ten touchdowns, no interceptions mm-hmm. in the month of December. If you go to this six-game stretch, Paul, 15 touchdowns, it's crazy. two picks. It's crazy. He has been extremely efficient. He's completing 
over 70% of his passes in the last two games, but he does a really good job spreading the wealth. He makes you defend the entire field. And what I mean by that is we know about Cooper Cup. We know about Puka Nakua. And mm-hmm. what a pick, by the way, in terms of them Fifth getting round. Him. Yep. Just goes to show you, you could find talent later on in the rounds. And Kyron Williams just came off of injured reserve. Mm -hmm. So he's provided them a boost. He missed week 7 and 11 with an ankle injury. And what's remarkable is those three guys I just mentioned, Paul, have only been on the field for seven games this season. They've played 15. That means just below half. And they're averaging nine more points per game when you put all three on the field. So that has made the difference. It's the fact that they're healthier, but they now have all of their weapons at their disposal. I'm so glad that you actually gave out that number and that scenario because had the Giants had Thomas and Jones and Waller and Barkley on the field for a good chunk of their season, that offense would be a whole lot better and the Giants would have won more games. The Rams are going through the same situation. You know, it's a big difference now that these guys are, are all together again. Without a doubt, the only difference, though, to now peel the onion back even further, as you like to call it, mm-hmm. is the state of the Rams' offensive line versus the Giants' offensive line is no night doubt. and day. No and doubt. that does wonders for the team. And I've talked to a lot of individuals associated with the Rams organization. Kirk Morrison on the latest edition of the Giants Settle podcast. I work with him on NFL radio, former NFL linebacker, who actually was coached by Wink when he played for the Raiders. So he had some really good stories about being coached by Wink. And then J.B. Long, their play-by-play announcer. And I asked both of them, Paul, it's unheard of what the Rams have done. Last season, Paul, if you and I were having a conversation about L.A., we'd be talking about a game of musical chairs, as I like to call it. They were played by injuries. They had no continuity whatsoever. Now you turn the page a year forward. It's night and day. I mean, Rob Havenstein... He's been an anchor for them at right tackle, and he's probably one of the most senior individuals yeah. on the roster. <laughs> they acquired Kevin Dotson from the Steelers, who's proved to be a nice under-the-radar mm-hmm. acquisition. Mm-hmm. Coleman Shelton is their starting center. He's played all 15 games, has not missed the contest. Then Steve Avila, the rookie, second-round pick, also has played all 15 games, made an immediate impact at left guard. And then... Alaric Jackson has missed one game at left tackle, and he's not necessarily a known commodity. They gave up 59 sacks in 2022. That is the third most in the NFL. And granted, sacks are a product of the quarterback. It's not just the O-line. I understand that. But now you look a year later, Paul, they have surrendered 28 sacks. That is the fourth fewest. They went from the third most sacks to the fourth fewest in one season. And that's what the Giants have been striving for for years we're talking about, not necessarily within the span of one season. So if you want to talk about why the Rams are in their position right now, I start right in the trenches, as well as, of course, having Aaron Donald and company Hmm. on the opposite side. I have not seen the number as to how many Rams were on their Super Bowl team from... In 2021? Yeah. You're talking about? From a couple years back. with respect to the offensive line, I could tell you... The only individual is Rob Havenstein. Yeah, because I told you, Kevin Dotson acquired, Avila they drafted, and the other two guys are young. And see, the point that that I want to make about this is that they went all in on that Super Bowl season and mortgaged everything to try to make a run Uh, in terms of cap room, in terms of draft choices. They went hog wild nuts. We better get the trophy this year or we are going to be in dire straits. Well, they got the trophy. And yet here they are now, only two years removed, 
and they've been able to retool to the point where they are now a solid playoff contender. Now, I don't necessarily know if they're going to go far once they get into the postseason, but the fact that they got to this point after having to turn over so many of those championship players is pretty remarkable. And I don't think that went unnoticed with Brian Dable, who said to us the other day, and I don't know if you caught the comment, when he said uh, he is doing, McVay is doing a great yep. coaching job. In he fact, I, I think he, he called him, what, what was the, he used, a, he used an adjective. It wasn't just innovative. I can bring up the transcript. He used another word, which basically said how, what a superlative he is. And I believe Wink said the same thing. Yeah, Wink was very complimentary. Referring to both McVeigh and Shanahan as being very innovative, very, you know, threw out a bunch of superlatives for these two guys. And I think he said something to the effect that when you watch their offense, and he was referring to both, but obviously it applies to McVeigh here. He said, you learn something about yourself on defense when you watch their offense because those two young offensive minds are that good. I would maintain to you, and you may disagree, that McVeigh did not do a great coaching job last season as the house crumbled. And I think somehow, some way, as they tried to get out from under the ashes, he has now invigorated himself, maybe become a little smarter, maybe a little more mature, maybe a little less of a Weisenheimer kind of guy. And instead of being, you know, the young genius, which everybody's so quick to dub somebody, especially when they come into this league and they win right away, uh, maybe he's actually more earning his stripes now as a head coach because he has had to do a really, really solid job with this squad. Well, he's had to develop young talent. That's number one. I think they also said to themselves, okay, if we don't have all of the receivers that we need, Let's emphasize the run game with a rebuilt offensive line. And they have. They have really since have. Kyron Williams has come back. So to and by me, the way, Williams, yeah. good player coming out of Notre Dame. I liked him a lot. At the time, two years back, I didn't think the Giants needed to go for a running back. I had my eyes on him, but I was like, oh, you know what? They can wait another year. And they picked Eric Gray, who I had targeted for them this past season or this offseason. Kyron Williams at Notre Dame was a third-day pick. Yeah, fifth rounder. Think about that. Yep. So two years in a row, two of their offensive foundations were fifth-round choices. Yep. Think about that, Lance. That's fantastic. And that's where I was going to go because do you know they had 14 draft picks this past year? Do you know that all 14 made the roster? How crazy is well, that? Well, they had to well, because of course, the previous year they had scrapped, they had uh, stripped themselves. No, I understand that, but it's one thing to give them all roster spots, A, them earning it, and then developing them. Because this is the reason why the Rams, I think, have turned things around quickly. You look at this past draft, the immediacy of the impact of the personnel, okay? I mentioned the left guard, Steve Avila, mm -hmm. okay? He's their second-round pick. Remember, they didn't have a first-rounder right. because of all the trades they made. Right. Byron Young and Kobe Turner on the defensive side of the mm -hmm. ball, they're two third-rounders. Young is a linebacker, Turner's defensive line. Those two guys have combined for 12-and-a-half sacks this season to complement Aaron Donald. Turner has more sacks than Aaron Donald mm -hmm. because what's happening is— Donald, Donald only has six. Donald's getting tripled and double-teamed. <laughs> And other guys need to win their one-on-ones. But those yeah. two guys in particular are doing that. Yeah. So you have to highlight that. Davis Allen, their tight end in the fifth round, he's shown some flashes. Puka Nakua, another fifth rounder. Their punter was a seventh round pick in Ethan Evans. Am I saying all 14 have done wonders? No.
Okay, let's not be naive. But if seven or eight have come in, put their stamp on the team, that is a really good return rate in the immediacy. And then to go to your point, Kyron Williams was a fifth-round pick in 2022. Kobe Durant, their fourth-rounder, is one of their main defensive backs. And Quentin Lake is another main defensive back who was a sixth-rounder. So between the last two drafts, and you know what? I'm going to go back to 2021. Ernest Jones, their third-round pick, is having a career year. And he's a guy the Giants need to watch out for because he's wreaking havoc everywhere on the field. And then Tutu Atwell, a nice complimentary piece in the second round. So really, it's the combination, Paul, of 21, 22, and 23 Mm -hmm. that has helped them get to the position they are in right now. And the remarkable part about that is most of those guys were third, fourth, or fifth rounders. Bingo. That's That's the thing that just blows you away when you start looking at this roster and you say, look. Now, again, it also goes to the fact that the overall quality of the NFL is a lot less than what it was, and it doesn't take as much to rise to the top of that that pool of quicksand. Or at least stay in the wild card hunt. But having said that, okay, having said that, it still tells you how important, and I tell people this I've been ever since we've been doing this show, don't get caught up with the first-round pick. There is so much more that needs to be done. You know, that second day picks two and three or rounds two and three, a big deal. And don't sleep on rounds four and five either. And God knows the Rams haven't. Without a doubt. And they haven't slept on it for three straight years. They didn't take a nap in between some of these drafts. I brought up Wink's transcript. I want to read the response that you were referring okay. to so that our audience can understand. Not only, by the way, did he reference Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, he threw in Mike McDaniel, too. Remember, he okay. was on the Niners staff. He's now the Dolphins head coach. So what he said was, this offense, referring to the Rams, quote, I think there's once-in-a-generation type talent. I think that's what Sean McVay is because he and Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan, who I have the utmost respect for, they have meetings and he runs the meeting. I mean, what he does, he's so innovative in the run game and the passing game with the motions, with all the different things. You learn a lot about yourself watching them, which is what you pointed Mm -hmm. out. He'll have us here if we're in this He knows and he'll see how you're playing, and that's why you always got to keep things moving with him because he's just so difficult to defend, especially with the way they run the football, the way Stafford's playing. Those two receivers are unbelievable. It's like they went to a lab and created those two receivers for his offense with Cup and Nakua and then popped them out of the lab and gave them to Sean McVay. The other thing that he added was he made it sound with those two receivers, specifically Nakua, that McVay went to GM Les Snead who is the head of the front office for the Rams, and he said, this is exactly what I'm looking for in my wide receiver, and they did all their analysis and Nakua match because, my goodness, he's on pace, Paul, and he could get to that point against the Giants. He could set the NFL rookie receiving record Mm -hmm. for receptions and receiving yards, and we're talking about Randy Moss territory, by the way. I know. It's it's nuts because I don't remember at the Combine – anybody making a big deal out of him and that's why he won in the fifth round right and and, oh by the way should we not even go back a little bit and I know it was what 2017 Cooper Cup was a third rounder now I remember watching him in the all-star what I think was the shrine I don't know it was I believe it was the shrine shrine game I don't think he went to the senior and I remember I was like I remember when his dad was was in camp with the Giants many years earlier 
And I was like, yeah, you know what? I, I, I like this guy. I, you know, he's, he's going to make it in the league. Never thinking that, you know, he'd, he'd catch, what, 140 passes that one year? 150 passes well, he like won three the triple crown you're talking it was, about. Yeah, it was yeah. ridiculous. You know, so. And he went know, to Eastern Washington, by the way. Here's the thing. Yes, do you have to have a really good scouting staff to feather out guys in the later rounds? You do. But you also have to get lucky. Well, the environment matters, too. Where the player winds up. Meaning, if I it took does. some of these players, Paul, and I put them in another franchise, who's to say we're talking about Puka Nakua like wow. we are right now? You know, it helps when you have Stafford throwing you the ball. It helps when you play next to Cooper Cup. It helps when you have Sean McVay and how innovative sure. he is, right? And I just looked it up. Coop, uh, Cup actually did take part in the Senior Bowl. 2017, he was, he was at the Bowl Senior guy. Bowl. Okay. Yeah, and that he jumped out and that caught the attention of many different scouts and so forth. So that is just another example of what the Rams have done in terms of doing their due diligence and finding talent. So as far as the matchup, I think we laid out how good and explosive this offense is this based is on the offensive game. line and all the talent. But this is an underrated defense, Paul. I don't think the defense is getting enough notice. Coming into the season, if you recall, we preview all the teams. And when we were talking about the Rams' defense— you looked at that's depth chart, and you said, okay, I recognize Aaron Donald. Man, who else is going to be a playmaker yeah. for this group, right? Did you not question that coming into the season? And as I read off, a lot of these draft picks have delivered. Ernest Jones has developed. The outlook of this defense is very different. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not a shutdown unit. They're middle of the pack, most defensive statistics and categories. But I do think they're far more disruptive beyond Aaron Donald than they're receiving credit for. And if you put all your tension on Donald and you sleep on the Kobe Turners and the Byron Youngs and the Ernest Jones, it's going to be a rude awakening for this Giants team on Sunday. Well, I'll go to the secondary. You talk about Akello Witherspoon. Seven, Seven-year pro. Yep. Okay, San Francisco, Pittsburgh comes to the Rams. This guy is by far having the most productive season of his career. Former Niner. You know, he's a six foot two corner with length, obviously. And and he's what got thirteen passes defensed, I believe on the MSG show I mentioned he's tied for eighth in the NFL. He's got three interceptions, he's allowed four touchdowns, given up only a forty four percent completion mark on passes targeted his way. Did anybody in the National Football League think that Witherspoon was capable of putting up that kind of production in a given season after his first six years in the NFL? I would submit to you the answer is no. But somehow, some way, at this stage of his career, he's putting together a very top-of-the-line kind of season. He started his career with the Niners, then he was with Pittsburgh for the last two seasons, came to the Rams, and... You actually hit on a very key point that I think we should highlight, Paul, because if the Rams are going to get to this position, it's twofold to me. You got to draft well, you have to develop, but you also need to find those complementary free agents, right? Those non-big splash players. Witherspoon's one of them. By bringing him in, the other guy that they deserve credit for is John Johnson the third, mm -hmm. the safety, who is complementing Jordan Fuller. That was an in-house talent. John Johnson III started his career with the Rams, left to go to Cleveland, came back, and he's been a stabilizing force for them. And if you also, if you look at his numbers, you're going to find that, you know, he's made some game-changing type of plays since they brought him back. And veteran leadership 
on the back end. So, you know, the combination of him and Witherspoon, I think, should not be overlooked. He's got six passes defense. He has two interceptions. And he has a handful of tackles that put him right in the middle of the pack for the team. So those two players, as complements to the younger cornerbacks, that's also a big reason why the Rams are 8-7 and seven and knocking on the door of the postseason. I would only add this uh, item to your defensive uh, dissertation is that uh, only three times this year have they given up more than 24 points in a game. That's pretty good. Absolutely. And yeah. none of us are talking about any of their players outside of Aaron Donald, which goes to your point from before. Uh, very effective. You know, they're only 8-7 and seven now. Okay, let's not kid ourselves. Well, because they started 3-6. and six, You know, So they yes, had to dig themselves yes. out of a hole. Um, but, you know, this is not the team. We talk about all the time how September is kind of a pseudo preseason and you don't know what you are until four games in. Well, guess what? It took the Rams longer to figure out who they are. But now that they have, they're pretty good. Well, and also they're playing their best football, which is also something you look for around this time. You always want to go up. Yeah. You want to ascend. Yeah. You don't want to peak too high in September. You want it to happen in December. And oh, by the way, their lone loss during this stretch came to arguably the best team in football right now, the Baltimore Ravens, in overtime on a special team's return. Yes. Okay? That's true. So they were with Baltimore. Look at what Baltimore's defense did to San Francisco. On Christmas. Uh, yeah. They lost that game 37-31. Purdy threw four picks, right? I mean. Yeah. Well, and then Sam Darnold. <laughs> That's kind of a recipe. To, yeah. Sure. It's but, kind of a recipe to lose. But in fairness, Paul, look at why he threw those picks. Oh, well, they got okay? after him. They got hands on the football. Yeah. They got pressure. So Baltimore's defense deserves credit from that standpoint. I know Howard would disagree and say that they were just lucky and fortunate. <laughs> we'll save that for another time, Paul. You're not there, so I know I don't have to debate no, that with you. No, I'm not you, there. Which is good. It's kind of refreshing for once based on what happened earlier in the week. But in all seriousness, I just want to follow up with another stat before we open up the phone lines. They gave up 16 points to the Seahawks. Just to look at the point mm-hmm. totals. Arizona, 14. Cleveland, 19. The outlier was Baltimore. Washington, 20. And the Saints, who scored a lot of their points late in the game, if you go back, 22. So the five wins during this stretch, they've given up 22 points or less. And, hey, we know the Giants, they've only scored 20 points or more four times in 15 games. Mm -hmm. So this is why it's going to really fall on this Giants defense to maybe cause some chaos for Matthew Stafford and company. Can you do that? Can you do some damage control and limit their offense? Because you know, for the most part, the Rams defense has been able to hold its own during this rise thus far. I mentioned to John, and that's that right there is the reason why I believe that Tyrod Taylor is starting at quarterback on Sunday. Because he's got a better deep ball than Tommy DeVito does. Physically, he throws a better deep ball. Okay? And that's not a knock on Tommy DeVito. Tyrod Taylor's been doing this for 13 years, and he throws a dynamite deep ball. Accurate, perfect spin, uh, good distance. He he does that very, very well. I Absolutely. Think th- I think the Giants believe that it may be unreasonable to suffocate this offense. They're going to need explosive plays. They're going to need to put points on the board. You can't, I don't think they can afford to play this game close to the vest because I don't think the Rams will let them. And so if you know you're going to need some big hitters, like what Taylor did with Slayton yeah. the other day in Philadelphia, you know, that's that's not Tommy's best weapon. That's not his, that's not his forte. 
but that is a Tyrod Taylor forte. So in my opinion, again, I mentioned this the other day, coach did not give a reason other than we decided to, to go with this way. Well, and he said he earned it based he on the it. second half right. against the Eagles. That's well, what he did say. Well, I'm going to say my guess, my educated guess is they need, they need the deep ball to be working in this game. Well, I would say they've needed more explosive plays all season long. Paul. Well, but I'm with you there. John, and that's what John countered yesterday. But there are times when you, you're going to drag a game into the mud. You're going to play a slow game. You're going to play a tug-of-war kind of game. And you're fine with that. Sometimes that's the philosophy going in. We want to win a game that's going to be in the teens. We want to win a game where 20 is going to provide the victor. I don't think the Giants think that this week. Well, you also need to be able to stay ahead of the chains in a game like this, too. Because, once again, I think if they didn't have the development from some of these younger guys in terms of the pass rushing department, you would say, okay, let's see if somebody not named Aaron Donald could beat us. They've proven. Others not named Aaron Donald can beat Mm -hmm. you. So if you do not stay ahead of the chains, they're going to come after you. Raheem Morris has done a really nice job with his defense. It's worthy of saying his name in addition to Sean McVay because he's their defensive coordinator and a young coach with Tampa Bay several years ago, and Mm -hmm. he's come a long way in terms of his development. And I'm sure he's going to be, by the way, one of the hot commodities once we get to the coaching cycle this offseason. All right. We'll open up the phone lines. few reminders, though, before we get there. The Giants Huddle Podcast. You can check out some of the latest editions. Go to Giants.com slash podcast, as well as your favorite podcast platform. Single tickets are still available. Two more games left. You got the Rams. Then you got the Eagles. You can head to Giants.com slash tickets to secure your seat. And the Giants official connected TV streaming app, Giants TV. It brings you original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV, it's free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, Fire TV, and the Giants mobile app. All right, let's open up the phone lines. And we check in as we move forward here with Donnie in Queens. Donnie, welcome aboard. What do you got for us? Hey guys, just want to wish you a happy New Year. Thank you. Chance to talk to you. Um, you know, you you kind of stole my thunder with my call uh, with your kind of going over the Rams and how quickly they've retooled, and you know, really just disappointed this season and the, the lack of progress this regime has made in, in two years uh, with with the roster. Um, basically, looking at it, we we still have the same problems we had with, when when they got here. We we still have. You know, a bad offensive line. Our, our skill position players are well below league average. Same quarterback who's just now more expensive than he was when they got here. And uh, it's just been a, a really frustrating year. Um, I really wanted to kind of ask Paul, um, and I'll hang up and listen. Are, are you of the mindset that this franchise should be looking at a quarterback this offseason? Or do you think that you should build out the rest of the roster? And I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, guys. Well, I'll give you two answers. The first answer is I believe this uh, regime has actually forwarded the franchise. They made the playoffs last year when nobody thought that they would, or at least most people didn't think that they would. Uh, And I do think they're they're in better shape than they were two years ago before these guys came in. I don't think there's any doubt about that. It's a much younger team, for one. And they've got many more players who have upside than the roster that closed – the 2021 season. I don't think you would dispute that at all. No, they definitely have more youth. I I don't think there's anything that doubts that. And I would argue some more salary cap flexibility too. Yes, that too. Those are the two factors I think that jump out to me. You know, so, so I think the the first premise is erroneous. Um, As far as the next premise, the general manager, Joe Shane has already said, he's going to have to address the quarterback situation. Now, the big question is how, because 
somebody called me about this this morning, and they said, well, what do you think, what do you think the Giants are going to do? I said, I don't think they know what they're going to do yet. You've got so many variables involved in the Giants quarterback position for 2024. First of all, you have to figure out, Joe's already said, when Daniel Jones is healthy, he's the starting quarterback. Joe's already announced that. Okay? So that tells you, and we know salary cap-wise, they're in no position to be parting with Daniel Jones anyway, economically. Yep. So he's on this team next year. Whether, whether or not you know his rehab goes really well or doesn't go really well, uh, he's here. So what you have to figure out is, A, do you think there's a chance he can actually make it back for opening day, which we have no idea right now. We just, we just don't. But that's a big part of the equation. B, what are you going to do then with the potential of a placeholder? Let's say you decide that, all right, Jones is on his way back, but we just want to hold the fourth guy. Well, now maybe you ask Tyrod Taylor to come back. Or maybe you look at like what the Browns just did with Joe Flacco. Maybe you go out and you tell a veteran, we'd like you to be a placeholder. We don't think Daniel Jones will be ready till October, but we want a guy who's experienced and who has won before. And Tyrod Taylor has decided to go free agent and he wants to test the water somewhere else. So do you bring in another one of those kinds of guys, a hold the fort guy, as Parcells used to call them? Do you do that? Do you... Say, you know what? Positively, got to draft a quarterback in the first round. Got to have the next guy who can groom under Daniel Jones for a year or two, but will be the next franchise guy. Do you go in that direction? Do you go in, let's go to door D. All right, I've given you A, B, and C. Do you go door, do you do door D? Door D says, okay, you know what? We could get a young developmental guy. Tyrod Taylor's decided he's going free agent. We're not really sure about Tommy DeVito. Uh, We haven't really figured it out yet. Or maybe we don't think he has a lot of upside. We think he's just a backup. Or we're not even sure what he is. Well, then maybe do you draft a quarterback in the second or third round? Maybe not use first-round value, but draft a guy in the second or third round, okay? Like, I don't know, somebody like a Jared Stidham a few years ago uh, came out of Auburn. And And you say, well, this is a guy who we think is pretty good, and he's a little bit more of a project, and we don't want to devote franchise resources to him, but we'll draft a guy maybe in the third round. Okay? Second round, third round, who knows, maybe even the fourth round, and say, we're going to draft a guy there and take a chance that if we groom him and we develop him, like the Cowboys did with Prescott, maybe you do that, and you figure, well, we won't, We'll hope that maybe in three years he might be able to challenge for a starting job. I just gave you four doors that the Giants could open. Anybody who tells you today that they know what the Giants are going to do is a liar because the Giants don't even know what they're going to do yet. So those are the four doors that I see. If there's a fifth door, please offer it. I don't know that there is a fifth door. No, I mean, I think you pretty much laid everything out. They also don't know where they're picking at this point, too, which clearly influences and changes the conversation. And free agency does, too. Sure, free agency is going to come first, too. I do think there's value, though, to have a very serious conversation about the overall quarterback position this offseason because regardless of how Daniel Jones progresses this offseason, you need to look at the reality of the circumstance that he's only been healthy for one full season Mm -hmm. during his Giants tenure. 
and you're at the point where he's coming off a serious injury that could present him with a scenario where he's not ready to go for week one. You at least need to entertain that. Well, so, Joe Shane said he's got to figure out what to do because it's too uncertain. Correct. So, so that's, He's got four doors he can open. Yeah. So I'm operating, if, if I'm Joe Shane, those are the facts that I'm looking at. I'm looking at, it's not that Daniel Jones doesn't have upside and talent and that they don't like him. It's the fact that one full season of health on the field mm-hmm. since 2019, since he arrived. It's not a great track record. I mean, that's just the facts. It's well, nothing against Daniel Jones. Same it's just thing happened. Not a great track with, record. I've had yeah. this conversation before. Same thing happened with Phil Sims. Correct. Yeah. Phil Phil Sims was ruled a bust. Can't stay well, healthy. Can't Daniel stay Jones on the field. Bust. He's um, done. He's never going to make it here. And then, oh, lo and behold, here it was five years later, and now Phil Sims is the starting quarterback for a Super Bowl contender. Correct. So, so. Just because Jones has an injury-riddled track record does not mean he still cannot be that guy. No, but it means that you need to protect yourself. That's you all I'm saying. You because do. you need to have the conversation. That, and they had Hostetler and Rutledge. Well, but also that was the for a while. prior salary cap error, which yes, I was. explained. So yes, the flexibility is a little bit different. I mean, to me, the example that I would use, forget Phil Sims. The one you should be turning to is Alex Smith. Because mm-hmm. Alex Smith was in the salary cap era. Yes, he the was. The Niners drafted him, number one overall. Yep. And it was a revolving door. Not only was injuries, it was new coordinators left and right. Jim Harbaugh, Greg Roman came along the OC, and then all of a sudden he started having success because, remember, he went up against the Giants in the postseason. But that's also a very extreme example, Paul, because that was six, seven years into his career. Most teams don't have that patience. Now, no. Daniel's not there. No. But... I just think you need to have a conversation about protecting yourself from that standpoint. And if you don't want to lock up more money in the quarterback position, because a good veteran can be costly. I mean, take, for example, actually, Jarrett Stidham. I'm glad you brought him up. Denver brought him in after giving Russell Wilson that enormous contract. Stidham got two years, $10 million. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's not necessarily a cheap deal for the salary cap. So you have to pay a veteran quarterback. And I'm a fan of having a Tyrod Taylor on the roster. I think that guy holds value, but I also think you need to say to yourself, we're not just looking for a placeholder, Paul. We're looking for a quarterback that gives us the opportunity to remain competitive and win games, right? Isn't that a part of the dialogue, too? Well, again, they need to monitor, and the medical people are going to have a big input here. How well, they're going to keep the front office up to date that, yeah. on what's going on. They How have to. is yeah. the Jones rehab going? You know, look, there are some guys who have made it back from the ACL in seven months. Okay, well, think about it. From the beginning of November, seven months, that means Daniel Jones is ready for training camp. Now, I don't know that anybody is willing to put chips down on that going, that's going to happen. I think, I think it's more realistic to think it'll be longer than seven months. Will it be nine months? Will it be 11 months? Will it be 12? You know, how many regular season games does he stand to miss? They'll know more as his rehab progresses. Sure. And that's a, that is a huge part of this equation. And you'll know more by the time the draft rolls around. And I think Joe Shane had hinted at that, that mm-hmm. when they're ready to draft, they hope to have they a need better to know. picture of what's going sure. on with Daniel Jones. But even with that picture, and just to give you an idea, Kyler Murray, who was a little bit behind Daniel Jones in terms of when the injury occurred Correct. and the surgery, I mean, he did not return this season until November 12th, just to give you an idea. That doesn't mean that Daniel's on the same trajectory, but 
they were wondering whether or not he was going to come back. And remember, they made a late trade for Joshua Dobbs, Paul, Correct. who then they shipped out to Minnesota. So they weren't sure. They had Colt McCoy. They mm -hmm. determined they wanted to go in a different direction because Drew Petzing, who's their offensive coordinator, was with Joshua Dobbs in Cleveland. So I'm not ruling that out, too. I mean, maybe the Giants, they have everything mapped out. They hear news about Daniel Jones about a month before the season starts, and they have to explore other options, too. You can't rule that out, too. You always have to at least remain flexible, but depending on where they select, if they have pretty good draft capital and they like a quarterback, and they're not just, remember, looking at that quarterback for 2024. They're looking for that quarterback beyond, even if that quarterback serves as Daniel well, Jones' backup for several seasons. Jordan Love did it for Aaron Rodgers. You, you can develop a guy simultaneously. You just presented door E, which I did not touch. Door E is you believe that, oh, there is a gotta-have-him quarterback in the first round. And if you're picking between 5-7 and seven or 5-8, and eight, which is where we think the Giants are going to land, if you think there's a gotta-have-him guy, now do you try to use your assets to get up into the top three? and maybe get the gotta-have-him quarterback and then draft that kid and say, listen, you're going to have to sit behind Daniel Jones if he's healthy for a year or two and then potentially become our starter. That's how they felt about Daniel Jones. When they went, when they went and got Daniel Jones, they got him with the understanding he would sure. sit behind Eli Manning for a year or two and then have the job. So actually, you've just given me door E. Yeah, and, and I think that's, that's also e. reasonable too. It but is. You brought up an interesting point because you're talking about moving up to potentially get the quarterback if you're in that five-day well, territory. A, you would only make a trade of that nature if it's a gotta-have-him guy. You don't trade back for a gotta-have-him no, guy. No, I'm not saying that. No, or I'm saying a quarterback comes to you where you're selecting. Mm -hmm. That's also a possibility. And maybe you Possible, but unlikely if you're going to be in the 5 to well, 8 range. Well, it, it depends on also how much you like a player and how many you like, too. Meaning, mm -hmm. if there's not a big differential, you can live with maybe two or three guys. But you also need to weigh, because this is also a roster where... They also are looking to improve other facets of the team, Paul. No okay, doubt. Right? We're not just talking about the quarterback or the insurance policy at quarterback. We're talking about adding depth, having guys compete to perhaps be a starter. So it depends on how many assets. My point is you have to give up to move up to grab the quarterback, and now you're eating into your chances of improving the overall roster. Gotta I don't know if I want to sacrifice that, too. you got to weigh that. Well, that's why there are now five doors we've yeah. given you. And, <laughs> again, I'm sorry, folks, but anybody who tells you that they know does not know. And, quite frankly, they should not know today. The Giants don't know, nor should they. You need more concrete evidence and more information, which is not obtainable on December 29th, 2023, to be making that call, which is why I quite frankly laugh at some, at some other media people who are already deciding they got to do this, they got to do that. <laughs> what, are you kidding me? There's not nearly enough information to make a logical, rational decision. There's just not. But I think if we learn from this season, not just with respect to the Giants, from the NFL, prioritizing your quarterback depth chart is of utmost importance. You can't leave that for an afterthought because of the salary cap. Well, so, so many guys get hurt. 
but that's more of a reason why you have to go through the potential scenarios. Mm -hmm. And when your quarterback is coming off a major knee injury where there's going to be a detailed rehab process, it makes it even more of a talking point entering the season. Because if you look at Cleveland, okay, Cleveland went out, they made the big splash for Deshaun Watson. Okay, but Watson wasn't coming off of surgery this past season. No. But he still got hurt. Okay, then you went through three other quarterbacks, including Joe Flacco. And remarkably, Paul, <laughs> the Browns have won 11 games that are going to the playoffs. I know. The last team to, by I the know. way, you know the last team to have four different quarterbacks start a game and go to the playoffs was the 2015 Texans. Can I just interject here? Yep. Joe Flacco, pocket passer, doesn't run around like a maniac. Oh, yesterday he did a little bit. Well, had yeah. to a little bit. Yeah. But supposedly, everybody wants a running quarterback. Pocket passers are dinosaurs. Well, uh, let's see. Joe Flacco is going to do it. He's going to make it. He's going to break. Matt Stafford, he is the pocket passer. Oh, well, what do you know? Jared Goff, going to the playoffs. He's a pocket passer. Gee, I wonder how that happened. And by the way, Flacco, who has a great arm, by the way, similar to Tyrod Taylor. That's also what makes Joe yes. so appealing. You give him time. Cleveland also lost two of their starting tackles. Mm -hmm. Okay, They lost Jack Conklin and Jedrick Wills. Both of those guys are on injured reserve. So you could easily say, well, Cleveland shouldn't bring in a guy like Joe Flacco because he doesn't have mobility and you're not going to be able to protect him. And they've done a pretty good job in that department. I mean, the interior of the Cleveland Browns offensive line is very strong. So that helps the cause. But... No, I'm not of the mindset it's got to be a mobile quarterback. Well, no. A lot of people are today. Well, I don't think you should necessarily operate like that. I think you just need to feel good that the quarterback can help you compete and win football games. That should be the number one priority Well, when you're analyzing a QB. If you're going to have your standard uh, you know, pocket passer, you just better make sure that you can keep him up. Absolutely. That, that, that's True. really what it comes down to. If you want to be able to use the old standard pocket passer and the standard quarterback that has been tried and true for how many years in this league, you need to make sure that you can protect him. If you cannot protect him, well, now you have to worry about his health and you have to worry about him getting out of the pocket, which Russell Wilson had to do for so many years behind a very, very suspect Seattle offensive line. Yeah. Speaking of Russell Wilson, by the way, just a quick side note, you were bringing up Daniel Jones and the finances. There's now rumors that maybe Broncos are going to move on from Russell Wilson this offseason. Mm -hmm. Think about how much dead money is going to be on their cap after they just gave him a five-year extension the other year, which hasn't started, goes into effect this past season. So that's more of a reason why, you know, it's not so simple to say, oh, you want to move on from a quarterback, you just let him go. You're going to be feeling the ramifications of that that's for years to follow. That's what happens when you give these quarterbacks huge contracts. All right, let's move on. Well, no, no, here's, though, what's interesting and unique, though, about Denver. Remember, they acquired him before they brought in Sean Payton. And when you bring in a new coach who has a different viewpoint of a mm. quarterback, Paul, that different changes scheme. things. Sure. Different scheme. No, no, but the point is the front office made that decision. Yes. The head coach was not there yet. So that's a little bit different. If the coach and the GM are making that decision simultaneously, you can't maybe add rational thought as to, okay, you could understand why the coach thinks differently. Here you could understand why the coach thinks differently because he wasn't there mm -hmm. when that trade was made. That's true. So I can understand. It's the GMs, though, that give all these quarterbacks overpaid, overblown contracts. Well, and that is today's NFL market. Yes, it as is. As you well know. And know. you're not going to maneuver around that. I know. No matter how much you wish. I know. That it could go in a different direction. That's why I'm saying 
the draft is a strong tool because in the early stages when you don't have to pay a quarterback an enormous amount of money, having them on the roster is a nice luxury. And then even some of these veterans, and I use Jarrett Stidham as an example, and I think, once again, they have a tremendous amount of value, but they're going to be costly. You have to have flexibility on the cap to bring in a Teddy Bridgewater, to bring in a Tyrod Taylor, all of these other guys that you mm -hmm. want to look across the NFL, a Gardner Minshew. Yes. He also deserves credit. Indy is knocking on the door of the playoffs, right? Yeah. And he knew the offense with Shane Steichen. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of teams that effectively stayed within the hunt. This is my main point. Heck, the Pittsburgh injuries. Steelers are down to Mason Rudolph. Well, there you go. There's another example. <laughs> you know? And now they had a young quarterback in Kenny Pickett on a rookie deal. Mm -hmm. He then got hurt. So they had to turn to... Well, Trubisky didn't work out so well. Correct. Really. And Trubisky is a veteran, but he's been in the mix on the team the last few years, and so has Mason Rudolph. All these guys that we're talking about have been in the hunt for Pittsburgh. Hence, they were not new phases. Full circle, which is why the Rams drafting so well and getting so much productivity out of their third, fourth, and fifth round draft choices of the last three years becomes an incredibly valuable asset. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> and remember, the Rams, a team that went through Matthew Stafford getting beat up last season. He was not fully healthy. Not at all. So if anyone had a reason to maybe go after a quarterback, you would think it would be them. But instead, they used those picks to improve the overall roster, mm -hmm. both on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball. Let's head back to the phone lines. We got Coach Marvin in Delaware on the line. What's happening, Coach Marvin? What do you got for us? Uh, how you doing, guys? Happy New Year. Same to you. You too. Yeah, um, I was listening to you guys talk about the uh, quarterback position in the draft, and my my opinion, I, I, you both have valuable. Um, it, it, I, I value both of your opinions, and I think they both are correct. Um, and Paul said it. There's so many avenues you can go with this um, draft. But right now, we we have high picks. I think we have something like three picks in the uh, top. Uh, 55, I believe, somewhere in there. I think it's like four uh, in the top 110, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, 105. Four. Mm -hmm. I think it's. I think it's four. No, I think it's five in the top 105. Okay, go go ahead. I think go, I, yeah, we'll look it up. Look it up. We'll look it up for you. Go ahead. Yeah, I looked it up yesterday, and I think I counted five in the 105. Um. Uh. uh so I, I think they can go. That is correct. Way, it is five way. in the hundred and five. You're right. That's what right. it is. Yep. And and, and they um, so they can go anywhere. They can't go quarterback. I think if you see who you like, and I think Lance has a good point too, because there's no dominant college player this year. There wasn't really no one that stood out, and I was like, oh my god, this guy is unbelievable. In the whole draft, I don't think it's anything like that. But these quarterbacks are pretty good that are coming out. Um, and I think the I think it's more than three of them. I I, uh, I think Pinex he was he's been one that I I've liked all year. Um, but if you like the the top three, and if you think they are someone, then they are go get them. I uh, what, like Paul said. Then you're gonna have to you're gonna have to go get them because there's so many teams gonna need quarterbacks because the 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 season. I think Paul was talking about it. I think it was yesterday that the league has been watered down as far as the talent. Um, I counted a couple of weeks ago, 19 teams were at 500 and below. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you know, everybody 19. beats on each other. That's what happens. Yeah, they do. But that's, I don't think it's because there's parity. I think it's the, the level has gone down. The tackling has gone down. 
injuries have gone up. The losing quarter, um, injured injuries on your team in key positions have hurt teams also. But uh, but that, that that doesn't mean it should drop off that badly, and it does. Um, but I, I think uh, they need to look at a quarterback. I, yeah, I was talking about Russell Wilson, and I was listening to ESPN this morning. You can get Russell Wilson for a dollar because he's going to get paid. I think it's $39 million is guaranteed. So whoever picks him up, only thing Denver's going to get is whatever the difference of what he makes. So if you pay him four, $400 million, they're going to um, take away – um, they're gonna uh, take away a million dollars out of what they owe instead of thirty nine. They owe thirty eight. He still will be getting thirty nine million. So that might be something you can look at if you're not willing to go quarterback down, like Lance was saying. Both of you said you want to build the offensive line. You want to do other things, <clears throat> uh, receiver or something like that. And then you bring Wilson in. Because we don't know what Daniel's going to be. Like you said, Paul, you, you, you don't know where his health is. You don't know where he, where he is in his medical um, right now. And um, I think you're going to have to bring somebody in that can fill in on opening day because we're not sure. But they they will have an idea. Yeah, well, they'll, so they'll have an idea, of course. They yeah, they'll have an idea. Well, they'll hopefully have a, a better idea by the time the draft comes yeah. along. And then they'll really know what they're looking at by the time training camp starts in that month when they have to prepare perhaps another quarterback to be the starter for week one, which is what Arizona came to the realization of this past season when they wound up acquiring Joshua Dobbs. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So they, they, they're going to have some decisions like a lot of teams are going to have. you got these teams talking about trading Chicago, trading their quarterback. You're talking to hearing a little bit of rumbling about Arizona. Not sure what they're going to do. Uh, so they're going to be some guys. Those are guys I don't know if I want them because of the money that might come with someone like Fields or Murray. Murray, you'll have to take his contract. But Fields, um, you could probably give him something similar to Daniel Jones. I think now, as I think about it, that was an excellent uh, contract they gave Daniel Jones. Um, it, it was everybody was oh, he gave him too much money. No, they did. They they did it in a manner that was best for the team. Mm-hmm. Um, they gave him money, and plus they gave a clause where they can get out if they needed to. Not if they wanted to, but if they needed to, they they can get out. Well, right. you, you and, know what happens uh, with all these contracts? They all look better as the next one comes because <laughs> yeah. the because price goes up. True. Because inf- inflation no, and quarterback true. country yeah, I mean, GMs that's... put up those prices. That's yeah. exactly why, that's Coach. Right. Yeah, and I think that's and they th- and they do need to look at that as we are talking about that because Lance is right that price just it can change in a month's time. I mean, some guys all oh, these high paid, and a month later somebody jumps him. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to control that though because it's really getting out of hand. Coach, hands. I keep it's, saying that, but you know you got they, these other folks out there, Lance. No, it's not. I, oh, I just, let no, the market explode. But but you have to understand <laughs> if you're a player, I think you should be able to make as much money as you want. I mean, that's yeah. the free market. That's I, life. I, I, if yeah. That that be coach. Yeah. If that would be like saying if you coach for a school, somebody should get in your way and tell the school how much money they should pay you. Would you like that? Right. Something tells me you wouldn't well, like government, that. So who am I to tell a player how much they should have in terms of their earning power? It's a power? team game, though. It's uh, a Lance, team well, game. Well, so is the uh, NBA and so is the NHL, and those guys get paid a lot of money, too. They're all team sports. Uh, Lance. Yeah. 
in the government, they do do that. They, they already know what the dollar amount's going to be before I even get to that grade. So they do control how much I'm making. Well, there's some budgets um, and everything that are in play with every company. I'm not saying right. that you're going to go above and beyond. But in this market where you have teams competing against one another, they should have the ability to maximize their earning power. I don't think there's anything wrong right. with that. That's all. No, it's not. But yeah. that's not what I was saying. Yeah, it may have been interpreted that way. I say they got to figure a way how to 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 control that and maybe move them out of the um, cap where they don't affect their cap as much as they do. Somehow the league, because your teams are not. I mean, this is why it's getting watered down because somebody is making way too much more than you can't fill well, the other Well, the, the reason why it's imbalanced is because you have some teams that have rookie quarterbacks, so they're not paying them as much money, and then you have other teams right. that have gotten to the point where the quarterback had the expiring rookie contract, and they're now hitting yes. the free agent market. That's what's creating the imbalance. It's not that the system well, is unfair. It's that it's, it's a cycle. So the Giants, right, they had Daniel Jones on a rookie deal. Then they had to pay him. Now the next team, you brought up Justin Fields. If the Bears decide to pay Fields, they're going to leave that rookie window, and they're going to jump into having to pay a lot of money for I, a quarterback. Everybody goes through that. I understand that, but look at the value of how they're doing each year as each contract. They're not jumping $1 million, $2 million. These guys are jumping five, ten, fifteen million sure. million yeah. dollars difference from the year before. Without a doubt. Yeah. Okay, you want to you want to expand it? Yes, they should make as much as they want, but you shouldn't make the top dollar of. I mean, uh, they just not. Um, and he does uh, um, earn it. Mahomes, what is what's mm -hmm, that like yeah. a, a half a a half a billion dollar contract? And I know that's over ten years or something like. Yeah, that. Yeah, it was a very lengthy deal. But yeah. These guys are now running into sixty million dollars a year. They're going to be in $70 million in about a year or two. But remember, that's, that's also the average annual on, salary. On, that's not necessarily the cap hit. You really need to focus no. on the cap hit. Those are two different numbers, yes. in fairness. Okay, so. That's fair. That's fair. But somehow they have to, or you're going to have to give more money into the cap. You can't escape the cap because if yeah, you get I mean, the lower number this year, then you're going to get crushed down the road anyway. Yeah, and appreciate the phone so call, So it's still Coach too Marvin. painful no matter how you look at it. Coach, I would say this, and I know he's gone. What it comes down to, and, and to use Lance's own wording against him now, is because you go through this cyclical cycle where franchises can draft a quarterback, have him on the cheap deal, but then like in college when they know at some point within the next four years, the good player is gone. Well, what you know as an NFL team now is that, oh, guess what? We got this rookie quarterback on cheap on cheap labor, but we know that in three years, four years, boom, we're going to get crushed. You know, we're, yeah, So we're, you have to prepare accordingly for that. Okay, but how is that good for the game long term? It's not. Well, it's but not. everyone goes through it, Paul. You're making it sound like one or two teams get screwed. Everyone goes through that. Which team is an exception yeah, but to see, the rule when, of when, paying a when the quarterback position yeah. is so incredibly valued as the heart and the soul and the franchise of your team, to have teams constantly have to battle detours and go through hurdles to keep the guy and survive and to to succeed, knowing that every few years every team is going to have to go through this, I don't see how something that's bad for everybody, that's equally bad for everybody, is good. Well, because it It's keeps equally bad for everybody. Which, that's not good. No, it presents balance across the league, meaning everybody mean has it's to good. deal with it. 
Sometimes, I, sometimes, sometimes the, the, the general condition is bad. If everybody is in a flood zone and everybody's house gets flooded, in a flood zone, but I'm using an analogy. Yeah, if no, everybody in a town is in a flood zone and everybody equally gets their basement flooded, well, you can argue and you will. Everybody's in the same boat. Well, their houses are flooded. How is that good? No, sports is not supposed to be easy, Paul. You you want it to be roses and lollipops for everybody to have a clear path to win a Super Bowl. You've got to earn it. It's challenging. All these teams that went through multiple quarterbacks, you think Cleveland's having a ball of fun this season? I mean, it's hard to win a championship. If you go to basketball, hockey, it's not easy. No question. Every team has challenges this, they have to this navigate. Is, this is, I don't think football not, is any different. That's not That's not my debate. My debate just has well, to do with the general policies of the way the league is doing its business and how difficult and how uh, um, um, the detours and the obstacles have been thrown at these franchises in general to basically hurt the entire plane. We have brought it down where the, everybody in the town has a flooded basement. That's at some point or another, you're all going to have a flooded basement. That's not fun. I know people who've had flooded basements. It's not fun. Well, that's the salary cap. The salary cap does not give you the flexibility to do all of that. Listen, it could be baseball or some of these other sports where they don't have rigid caps, and then you have an imbalance in spending power, right? Look at how much the Yankees spend compared to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Do you want that? Because that's the opposite version. As I have said many times, I would love to see the NFL adopt the NBA bird rights. Yeah, well, I've thrown that out too, which means you could go above the cap to pay one player in particular. Now, with the NFL, when you have a 53-man active roster, much, what, three, four times more than the NBA, Sure, I'd like to say to the NFL, all right, the heck with the cap. If I got three, make it make it four. We have 53 guys on an active roster, and every team operates with probably 65 guys during the course of the season. Well, plus you had the practice squad guys. It's a ton. Yeah. Four. Four bird rights to every team. Well, that's a lot. They, they, you want to make it three, make it three. That's still a lot, but I would allow, argue. But allow teams in the NFL to go over the cap to re-sign their own superstars. And this way, if you want to pay the quarterback, like Coach Marvin said, $60 million, go ahead and do it. Do it. Well, it but, won't matter then because you're not you're not going to kill you're not going to kill the cap. Well, but the flexibility though that the NFL does allow, and this is where planning comes into play. You can carry over cap space in the National Football League. Yes, you, you don't can. do that in other sports. Okay, that's true. So, for example, to your point, you draft a quarterback. You know, two or three years down the road, you're going to have to pay the guy. Then you could slowly accumulate cap uh, space and carry that over. Here's the argument against that, though, because there are so many injuries in today's game. You have to make so many moves during the course of the season. Well, you have to prepare. Just yeah. to, it's not about preparing. It's about a reality. you got so many guys who are hurt during the year. You have to continuously bring guys in from the street, bring guys up from the practice well, squad. Well, that's why every, every one of them costs money by the time you get to the end of the season. It doesn't matter. You could have prepared as much as you wanted well, and saying, I'm going to save $8 bucks." By the time you get done with all those injuries, you have a million left. Well, Paul, you can't. Paul, the, you if, can't do it. If you look at what the— Too ja- many players get hurt. The Jaguars and the Browns in recent history have carried over about $40 million in cap space. So it can be done. Okay? I'm not saying everybody can do it. two franchises. 32 in yeah, the league. Well, but what I'm saying is, so you plan accordingly. you got to put about $10 million aside for injuries. And then I you, understand that. You better but, sell your entire family's yeah. soul to the devil and hope that you don't get guys hurt. 
And I, then you can save $40 million and roll it over in cap space. No, I'm not, what are the odds of that in today's game when everybody gets hurt? If you, took, if you took about $5 million every year and carried it over, I think that's feasible. If you prepared like that. I'm not telling you you got to take $10, 15000000 million. If you prepared for about 3 to $5 million a year over the a course year, of time, I you could accumulate that. I remember a year like where Ernie Accorsi did not have enough nickels to scratch together well, of course. that the Giants couldn't even sign a punter for a game. A and kicker. it does happen. It wasn't a punter. It was a kicker. It does happen. And they had to have Fiegel's kick because they didn't have enough. Well, I don't know. I was, it was before Fiegel's. I, wanna, I can't remember now who it was, what year it was. But I asked Ernie. I said, Ernie, you can't bring in anybody off the street. He goes, I don't even have enough money to sign one guy, even for one game, on a rookie contract. That's what happens in this league because guys get hurt. How long have you been here? You know well, that happens. And I'm not naive enough to not acknowledge that all i'm saying is is that you gotta there the are team. still teams though that plan accordingly and have done it successfully that's all it can be done catch lightning in a bottle that can that's be not, done too. I, that to me is not lightning in the bottle listen paul every year you have a laundry list of teams that carry over cap space i, go through, I they give the list out i don't I, I, I don't have this year's list they so have a list but i'm saying that i don't have they have if we can even probably look at what they're carrying over Salary cap is expected. This is what the numbers are expected to. Here's looking at salary cap flexibility and potential scenarios in 2024 for every team. So you look at some of the net savings that every team has that they're looking at, and you've got, you know, anywhere from the high point for the Chargers, but you've got teams. I'm just looking through here, like the Browns. They're projecting them to have a net savings of about $30 million. Okay. And the Packers are in the $30 million territory. So there are a handful of teams that are going to be carrying over and being in a very healthy salary cap spot. Now, to your point, that could disappear overnight if you don't handle your business the following offseason. One season. player. But one player could wipe that out. Well, then, how is that good? I don't know about one player wiping that out. I, I find that hard to believe that $30 million in cap space is going to be wiped out by one well, player. Well, right, because they'll, re- they'll construct the contract yeah, exactly. in such a way that they don't have to do yeah, it all I mean, that, that's shot. unlikely to I happen. get that, too. Yeah, but there there are teams. That Although what happens is when you franchise tag a player, a big chunk of that can go. Well, because it has to have a because set Because now spot. it's one year. Sure, yeah. Well, but that's in all likelihood if you're doing it for a quarterback. If you're doing it for another position, I could eat up $30 million anyway, based on the cap. That's number. correct. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's just the economics of football. I mean, it's nothing new, but I, I would just disagree to say that there's not a way to navigate some of these challenges. That's all my main point is. And that is going to wrap up Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Appreciate everybody tuning in as today's episode is part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. We'll be back up and running on Tuesday because Monday is January 1st. So a happy and a healthy new year to everybody else. As you navigate this holiday weekend, enjoy the game on Sunday. We'll recap the festivities and then look ahead to the final game of the regular season against the Philadelphia Eagles coming up in Week 18. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadow. Happy 2024. We will speak to you in the new year. We're out of here. Have a good one.